Hey guys, it's me, Nancy Jane Smith. Welcome back to The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. In today's episode, I confront a topic that feels kind of divisive, at least to me, napping. I really don't like napping. And sometimes when I'm upfront about my anti-napping stance, people are like, but why? Naps are amazing. Honestly, I just don't get it. And those pro-nappers extolling the virtues of a midday snooze tend to provoke my high-functioning anxiety. My monger jumps in. Why can't you just be normal and enjoy napping? What's wrong with you? So I decided to take a shot at this whole napping thing, but to try to do it in a way that makes sense for me. I hate napping. It isn't just that I don't take the time to nap or I don't allow myself a nap. I mean, those things are true too, but truthfully, my hatred of naps overrides all other reasons. Case in point. As part of this episode, my assignment was to take a nap and see if it made a difference in my life. The benign assignment of taking a nap evolved quickly into the napping challenge. Da, da, da. The challenge, take a nap for 60 minutes and record how I feel before and after. That is it. Nothing too intense or complex. Take a nap. But you would have thought the assignment was to put needles under my fingernails for as much as I dreaded doing it. Nikki, my producer, gave me the rough deadline of early next week when we chatted on the previous Wednesday. I added the nap challenge to my Google Reminders, which also show up on our Google Nest Hub in the kitchen. So, Thursday at 9 a.m., the British Google Voice from the kitchen announces, I have a reminder for Nancy Jane. Do the napping experiment. Oh, my husband said, today's the day, huh? Well, technically, I have until early next week, which I figure means Wednesday at the latest, but I want to give myself some time to be thinking about doing it. Okay, my husband said skeptically. Why do you hate naps so much? He who naps every day didn't quite understand my hatred of naps. Well, I said, I rarely feel refreshed after a nap, and I usually wake up feeling nauseous and gross. Basically, the complete opposite of me, right? My husband said. Yep, I replied as I returned to work. The truth is, I do occasionally take a nap falling asleep in the middle of a movie or TV show. But being deliberate about crawling into bed and taking a nap always left me feeling nauseated and unrefreshed. Exceptions for if I'm sick or in my drinking days when I was hungover. I also have memories of college, rushing to my dorm room between classes to nap for 20 minutes. I could not have survived college without those 20-minute naps, whether in my room or resting my head on my desk in the library when studying. I got much less sleep in college than I do now, so I needed those naps to survive the day. But I do have some positive experiences with napping. Okay, back to the nap challenge. Da, da, da. To fight the nausea, I decided to take the nap before lunch. And because I dreaded the nap so much, 
I gave myself some grace on the time. When I talked to sleep expert Dr. Sarah Mednick, more from her in a minute, she said that ideally you rest for 30 to 60 minutes. So I'm going for 30 minutes. That feels more doable. Friday at 9 a.m., the British Google voice from the kitchen announces, I have a reminder for Nancy Jane. Do the napping experiment. Is today the day? My husband said. Nope, I replied. Not today and not tomorrow. I am too busy to nap. But Sunday, I think I'll nap when we get home from mom's. Sunday rolled around and I was too wired after mom's to sleep. So I told myself, Monday, it has to happen on Monday. Monday at 9 a.m., the British Google voice from the kitchen announces, I have a reminder for Nancy Jane. Do the napping experiment. Yep, I'm going to do it today. By Monday, my day exploded and I ran out of time. By 2 p.m. on Monday, my monger was weighing in. Good grief, what is the deal? You have to nap, cry me a river. Why is that so terrible? You're such a crybaby. Also, my monger was saying, Napping? You're gonna nap? You have work to do. Finally, on Tuesday, I didn't even set the reminder on Google because I had procrastinated as long as I could. I knew today was the day. I did it. And with much dread and pain, I napped. And here's how it went. So it's Tuesday. Today's a Tuesday. I have to take a nap. That's all it is. I have to take a nap in the middle of the day to experiment with it. And I hate napping. I hate it (laughs) with a passion. I hate everything about it. I hate getting undressed, getting into bed. I hate um, relaxing enough in the middle of the day to fall asleep. I hate um, when I wake up, I don't always feel better. So there's not much about it that's pleasant. But the one thing that is pleasant about it is my cat, Gus, is laying here. (laughs) He is a napping pro, showing me the power of napping as he lays here on the quilt next to me. So I am going to nap for 30 minutes. I set the alarm and um, we'll see how I feel after 30 minutes. Here we go. Okay, Gus, Gus, mama's coming into bed. What do you think? Let's leave me here for now, drifting, not so peacefully, off to sleep. And as I float into dreamland, I want to revisit the conversation I had earlier in the season with Dr. Sarah Mednick. As we know from before, she's a sleep researcher, and she's also an expert on napping. She wrote a whole book about it. It's called Take a Nap, Change Your Life. I was skeptical that taking a nap would change my life, so I asked Sarah to explain. What's so great about napping? Tell me about the power of napping. I was going to say something more profound, but I'm going to go basic. (laughs) (laughs) When I started grad school, I was working with a guy who was doing nighttime sleep. What he was showing was that you need six to eight hours of nighttime sleep to show any kind of benefits for memory. I came in, I'm like, yeah, but like people who nap, they wake up and they feel amazing. And they've only had, say, half an hour or an hour of sleep. Sarah wondered, how could that be possible? 
that you need six to eight hours of sleep to get a full night's rest, but you could also feel good after a short nap. So he's like, well, why don't you study that? So that's what she did. Sarah tested people in her lab, having them nap for different lengths of time and comparing them to people who didn't nap. And what we found is that you could get in a 90 minute nap where you go through all the different sleep stages, you could get the same magnitude of learning benefits from a nap as you could from a full night of sleep. And it was really, it was so astonishing. Based on her research, Sarah wrote her book about napping and it actually made a lot of nappers feel seen. Everybody who's been napping suddenly felt so uh, supported. And napping is looked at as being, you know, for people who are lazy and, you know, what's wrong with you? Why do you need to sleep during the day? You should be up and working. What my research was showing is actually these people are really smart and they're doing just as much, if not more, learning than, you know, and being more creative than people who are not napping. After I published that book, I did a study looking at people who don't like to nap. Like there was a whole bunch of people that said, like, I, I hate napping. I feel terrible after I nap. Yes, that's, I fall into that category. Yeah, and I thought, that's really interesting how it's rare in life that you hear such a strong hatred for something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> and that was, I was like, I need to study that. So we actually did some research on people who are non-nappers, and I tried to see, well, do non-nappers get any benefits from the nap? Sarah even tried to train non-nappers to see if they could turn into nappers. And it turns out that about 50% of the population are non-nappers, and those people don't really get any benefits from the nap. And even when I train them to nap, they don't get any benefits. That is dropping. fascinating. <laughs> I know. I know. My husband is a napper. Like he loves to nap and has to do it. He's one of those gets a lot of benefits out of it. And he's like, you should nap. You should nap. And it always makes me feel worse. And so you have validated my life here with this because I was beating myself up for the fact I must be doing it wrong. You know? Yeah. Well, many nappers marry non-nappers oh interesting <laughs> it's a, it's very interesting i don't i mean it's opposites attract or something but it actually causes a lot of marital strife mm -hmm. i could see that because the non-napper is looking at this person like i'm doing all this work and you're <laughs> napping like what the hell you know and the napper feels browbeaten and also like but i need this and like you know like i feel like hell like a zombie if i don't get my nap right so so there's a real disconnect here yeah i i we don't have that i could see where it would lend to marital strife we i'm i enjoy that he takes a nap because then i get the house to myself <laughs> that's well that's another good point enjoy it right so what's the so is it the same what does the brain do differently when we nap versus when we sleep a full night or is it that you're finding it's the same? So the sleep is the same. You know, when, when you look at the brain, the brain's doing the same thing. But the confirmation of sleep across the nighttime is very different than across the day. Sarah says that we have two different pressures that contribute to our sleep patterns. One of them is a circadian pressure that kind of makes sure that we have a lot of energy and resources for daytime activity. And then we have this, you know, low circadian rhythm during the night. Um, and that 
can determine one aspect of our sleep and then another rhythm is this homeostatic sleep pressure rhythm that determines how much slow wave sleep we have. So you have this balance between these two different pressures that determine how your sleep looks across the whole night. And at nighttime, because you've been awake all day and you've been busy being, means when you get to sleep at first, what you need is to have a lot of slow wave sleep because that's the most restorative and repairing sleep. The first few hours of sleep are usually slow sleep. It gets that name because of the big, slow delta waves that you see on an EEG when a person is in this stage of sleep. And then once you satisfy your need for slow wave sleep, then you get into the second half of the night, which has a lot of REM sleep. And in order to get sort of a good amount of slow wave sleep followed by REM, you actually have to sleep through the whole night. But obviously, if you're napping, you're not gonna sleep through the whole night. So how can you still get the benefits of that sleep cycle in the middle of the day? There's actually a point in the middle of the day when most people do get tired, and this is truly when the siestas always occur during this time. And this is the time when you can have a nap that has equal amounts of slow wave sleep and REM sleep. And you could just have this, you know, hour, 90 minute nap, um, and it's kind of the perfect optimal nap. And that's, that's sort of the secret, I think, as to why um, naps can give you such a powerful results is because it's like, you know, a mini night. You don't have to sleep all night to get both slow wave sleep and REM. You can just take this nap in the middle of the day to have both slow wave sleep and REM. So 60 minutes to 90 minutes is the best. Is there a time of day that's better or it depends per person? It depends per person in that because of these different pressures of the circadian rhythm and the homeostatic rhythm, depending on what time of day you're napping will determine what type of nap you have, how much slow wave sleep you have, and how much REM sleep you have. That allows people to take control of, okay, what do I want from my nap? I want to be more creative, or I want to do more memory consolidation, I want to do more muscle repair, any of that kind of stuff. That would determine, well, I need more slow wave sleep, or I need more REM sleep. And so then you set the dial to what time you wake up, and then you can determine what time of day your nap is going to have more slow wave sleep or more REM sleep. Well. We're about to find out what kind of nap I had. Slow sleep? Deep sleep? As I rise up from dreamland to the sound of my alarm. There goes Calvin. And my initial reaction is it took me a long time to fall asleep. And I finally fell a little bit asleep. I think for the last 10 minutes, I probably could have done an hour nap maybe. But I was trying to keep it short because I do, I think the length is what gets me in trouble when I've done it in the past. So I will report more in a little bit. Okay, well, I did it. And, um... 42 minutes of rest. Yeah, it took a long time to fall asleep. Like, I was only gonna... I, sat, I did 37 minutes, 
and I crawled into bed and it was like, I think I had 20 minutes left. So I'd been lying there for 17 minutes and I just checked the clock to be like, how long have I been lying here? And then I started thinking about someone I went to college with and I was like, where did she end up? And I'm like, ooh, I want to Google her. And so then that was something that kind of took me down a rabbit hole. And I was trying to remember her name, her last name. and But I think I fell asleep for... And then Calvin came up and joined me. But like you tried really hard to sleep in your 30 minutes. I did fall asleep okay. for the last like 10, 15 minutes. Because at one point your goal was just to rest. And if you fell asleep, you fell asleep. And if you didn't, you didn't. But... Right. But of course my goal was... I forgot that was my goal. Right. Winter sleep. Winter sleep yeah. for 30 minutes. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, but as I was laying there before I had the, I can't do this, this is awful feeling when I was just initially laying there, I was like, this is kind of nice. And maybe I would do this every day. I could just rest for 30 minutes. Cause I do feel more, do I, you notice a difference? You seem perked up, but not loud. I feel more grounded. Like I feel more energized, but I don't feel so crazy. Like I was before I was super hopped up. Before I went down, before I laid down. I also think that I was very stressed about doing this experiment and having to take a nap. I was so dreading it. About 10 minutes after I talked with Doug about my napping experience, I checked in with myself again. I actually am feeling surprisingly good. Like, and I shouldn't be surprised, but... I- I am like to the point where I think like this kind of just a rest of 30 minutes or 20 minutes every day in the middle of the day really I know has its benefits and I was not a believer of this for me was not a believer of this for me because I thought I needed to keep myself hopped up I don't know it's really fascinating how much more calm I feel but energized at the same time So maybe it's getting the creativity around when I do this rest period. Again, all of this stuff is loosening it up in my brain because I have it so rigid on this is is what a nap looks like and this is how you take a nap and being able to loosen that to be like, ah, maybe just resting your brain for 30 minutes in the middle of the day before you eat lunch might be a good idea if you think you need it. Because I only have ever napped when I've been, you know, hungover or tired, like, or sick, that would be the only reason I would do it. Um, not uh, just today, like where I'm feeling fine and I just am napping <laughs> or resting. So I'm just going to rest my eyes. Okay, that's it. Okay, and now weeks later, have I implemented napping into my life? Well, honestly, no. But I have been taking more breaks to rest my head on my desk and close my eyes for a few minutes. I have embraced two concepts that this experiment has shown me. Crawling into bed in the middle of the day is not something I'm going to do unless I'm sick. But I have found short, bite-sized respite periods beneficial. They give me more grounded energy and less hopped up anxious energy. Even at the end of the day, When I do a five to 10 minute rest, I am more energized and calm than usual. Maybe over time, I'll build up to 30 to 60 minutes. But for now, I feel the napping challenge was a huge success.
That's it for this week. In our next episode, we'll talk with author and podcaster Catherine May about a unique cyclical philosophy for approaching rest that she calls wintering. That's next time on The Happier Approach. The Happier Approach is produced by Nikki Stein and me, Nancy Jane Smith. Music provided by Pod5 and Epidemic Sound. For more episodes, to get in touch, or to learn more about quieting high-functioning anxiety, you can visit nancyjanesmith.com. And if you like the show, leave us a review. It actually helps us out a lot. Special thanks to Dr. Sarah Mednick for speaking with us today. You can learn more about Sarah and buy her book, Take a Nap, Change Your Life, at sarahmednick.com. That's S-A-R-A-M-E-D-N-I-C-K dot com. The Happier Approach will be back with another episode in two weeks. Take care. Until then.